Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 8 of Weblapsed, and uh, it's going to be a toughie for me here. Um, not because of the issue. The issue is fine, but we will get to that uh, when we when we get to that. Um, if you're following along, you may have noticed that I didn't put out a new episode for uh, Thursday and Friday of last week, and um, I, I did put out content. Uh, I put out... Some uh, Patreon exclusive uh, XLAPS point one episodes to kind of fill that void, but um, I can't help but think I uh, I owe you all an apology for not uh, putting out uh, well I guess this episode back on on Thursday. I just wanted to talk a little bit about why that was, and um, it's 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 toughy. Um, if you did listen to the last episode of Weblapsed uh, that came out Wednesday, I it was a little frantic during that episode, uh, more so than usual. I, you know, I said that we had a, a full day of uh, doctor's appointments and real estate stuff, and it was just a, a busy day, and I had to really, you know, cram to get the episode in uh, when I when I did, and well, uh, we did. You know, do all those things that we were supposed to do that day, and among the doctor's appointments was uh, was a vet visit for two of our dogs, um, our oldest and our youngest. We have we have three total, and um, we brought them in for uh, well, they both had masses on them. Um, the youngest had a mass on her belly. And the oldest has a mass uh, right uh, between, like, his nose and his eye. And we are, uh, we're very fatalistic here in this house. We fear the worst constantly. So we put things off uh, as long as we can, you know, as long as we can do so. You know, it's probably not the wisest thing to do when you're uh, thinking about something like this. But we did, uh, we did put it off a few days, uh, hoping that... Whatever it was might subside. Maybe it was an allergic reaction. Maybe it was a bite. Maybe it was, you know, maybe it was something other than what we were afraid that it might be. And, uh, well, the youngest, we put her in, and um, uh, she has a, uh, a fatty mass on her belly. And uh, it's fitting because she is, uh, well, she's, she's a fatty herself. Uh, she is a, uh, you know, a vacuum cleaner. She's a little bit overweight. So that made sense. Uh, the eldest, though... Um, well, we didn't get the mass tested, but uh, the doctor was uh, pretty certain that it was, um, well, that it was cancer. And um, it's weird. I, you know, hearing that in such blunt terms, our, our vet, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful doctor. Um, just uh, very blunt. But I guess, like, when you're dealing with Something like this, you need that bluntness. You need someone to be real with you. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the the auto mechanic who keeps telling you, like, oh, well, we can get this thing back running, but we need this amount of money to do so. You know, he, he's not, you know, he's not giving us that, that line, of, line of bullshit. He's uh, just telling us what he thinks it is and uh, telling us what he thinks our options are. And he uh, plainly told us that he thought it was, uh, was cancer. And I've, I've never been hit by a bolt of lightning before, but um, I feel like I was just in that moment here, just numbness from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And uh, it, it was a, I mean, we, we, 
kind of expected something along those lines, but until you actually hear that you know, a professional's opinion is that that's what it is, you always have that, you know, perhaps misguided, perhaps Pollyannish, just uh, you, you have the hope. You know, you have the hope. And uh, the advanced age of our dog kind of makes it so it's treatment is not really an option it's not responsible and it's not fair to to him to put him through that he's uh he's 14 years old so he's he's lived a very long life um uh, hopefully we've been able to provide him with a happy life um though it hasn't always been happy in this home but uh just being hitting getting hit with that information there um you know the episode that we're going to do today. What we you know, this is a, this is a comic book show. We're talking about Spider Man. Um, the script for this episode's been done for days now because I didn't initially want to miss a beat. You know, um, I I hate missing something for things that are out of my control because it's because it becomes like a landmark or a mile marker. You know, I can look back and be like, okay, well, I didn't do an episode that day because X happened. And it just, it makes it, I don't know, it makes it like a living and breathing sort of thing where it's just like always going to kind of be there. And I, I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm kind of, well, I'm extremely anal <laughs> about what I do here. And uh, I think way too much and I over-romanticize. But um, hopefully it makes a little bit of sense that... Uh, Having a missed episode would be sort of a mile marker, or having a missed day, I should say, be a, a mile marker of sorts. But um, you know, I did write the script. I just couldn't, I couldn't perform. You know, um, you know, I, I it, you, you talk to some folks who say, yeah, what's so hard about doing this? You're just, you know, talking. Talking isn't always the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, um. If I could have gotten away with just, like, writing something and, like, running it through, was it Microsoft Sam or whatever, whoever that fake voice is, just just play that, you know, I, I would have done that. But um, I didn't. I decided to just put something else out. Um, I checked with the, you know, the patrons over there just to say, hey, you know, I can't do it today. And would it be okay if I, you know, put an exclusive out on the main feed? And everybody was, was really cool about that. Uh, everybody's just been uh, amazing uh, and supportive over these past few days, and uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's been the the bright, you know, point of this situation is that uh, you find out people really can care and uh, sympathize and empathize with uh, this sort of a thing. I think this is something that, um, I mean, it's just something that we're all going to deal with for the most part. So. Everybody has been wonderful, and everybody's been understanding. And um, and as I mentioned at the start here, I feel like I need to apologize, but people have told me that uh, that I don't. It's like I don't owe anybody anything, but part of me feels like I do. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm babbling at this point, and I very likely am. But I just wanted to bring everybody up to up to speed and and say a few words about what's going on in real life here. If you're not following me on social media or anything, you, you wouldn't know that uh, that the house has just been a little bit uh, 
a little bit more chaotic and a little bit darker <laughs> the past few uh, few days. Now he's a uh, he's still with us. He's still you know same personality. Um, if anything, he had a bit of a like a weird dip right after the appointment. Um, but I think that's probably largely due to how strange we were acting. My wife and I, especially me. My my wife is. She's an absolute rock. Uh, it's me that, uh, you know, kind of falls apart at the drop of a hat. But uh, I think he was kind of vibing off of my vibe <laughs> and was acting strange. Uh, he was having trouble eating. He was throwing up a lot. Um, may have been something to do with the excitement of a, a car ride. It may have been just me being a damn weirdo. It's, uh, you know, who knows? Um, right now, though, He's, you know, keeping on, keeping on. And it uh, doesn't seem all that much different than he was before we went to the doctor. So we're uh, kind of in a holding pattern. Hopefully it's a, uh, hopefully it's a long holding pattern. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, it's weird. You go through those stages of grief and, and bargaining is, is the biggie, right? And I keep telling myself, you know, it's like, well, we never had the mass tested you know, uh, the doctor said he thought that's what it was, and that's what he thought it was from his experience, but we never had, a, you know, a piece of it tested. You know, maybe it's something else. And then it's like you tell yourself those things, and it's uh, just the things you tell yourself so you can try and get a good night's sleep, you know, or you can try to forget for a minute. And, you know, I can understand the... Uh, and I can, I can appreciate... That this is, you know, one of the things a friend of mine had said, he's like, I hope nobody tells you that, you know, oh, it's just a dog, get over it. And uh, nobody has, nobody has. Because I, like I said earlier, I think a lot of people can, can sympathize with, uh, with a sick pet or an ailing pet. And, you know, the thing is, I feel weird uh, yeah, you know if you followed me you know that I have that weird guilt inside me where I feel like my problems aren't problems they aren't anybody's problems really they're nothing that uh, anybody would waste their time worrying about so I think the it's just a dog is something that's coming from inside like I'm trying to rationalize I'm trying to put my own feelings and emotions down as though you know they're not warranted you know I have uh, I have friends who've you know, recently lost loved ones. Um, I have friends who have lost loved ones over the past couple of years with the pandemic. I, myself, you know, we, we lost Reggie, you know, not too long ago. And it's, uh, you know, that, that kind of puts things into perspective. But, but at the same time, it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think I'm just trying to tamp down on what's going on right now to, I don't know, take control of it. But uh, like I said, this is a, a difficult uh, episode to do here. Um, it's I actually have been trying to do this for five days now, and I'm not even sure if this take will be the one that takes. So, uh, yeah, it's a toughie. Um, you know, uh, if you've been with me for a while, you'll probably remember, or maybe you'll remember, I don't know, I'm... <laughs> I'm over-inflating my own importance here. But uh, there was a time where I had a show called Chris's on Infinite Earths that was, for the most part, you know, comic-focused. But then it became 
something else. It became more focused on, you know, weird things that happened in my life, my life and times. Um, it got very real. You know, it was the thing that I referred to as like a a verbal or emotional shiatsu massage, where it was just like it felt so painful to do the episodes and uh, afterwards you just felt kind of empty and tired and just like you had just, you know, thrown everything up. And that's uh, that's how those felt. And I made that decision consciously to kind of leave a, leave a bit of myself on the air. And uh, that happened uh, right around the time where Reggie had his aortic dissection in the summer of 2019. When that happened, and we didn't know it was going to happen, I wasn't going to do any more um, audio. I I wasn't going to put out any more audio content because it was just too hard to do it. And it wasn't until I'd uh, actually heard Reggie's voice again in uh, either July or August. He he uh, suffered the dissection in May. I think it was like May 20th of 2019. And the first time I got to talk to him after that was in either late July or early August. And it was at that point that I figured that I could, uh, I could get back into it. You know, um, I could do, I could do a show again because everything was going to be okay. And I decided there that I wanted the show to be something more than what I had made it before. I wanted it to be uh, real. I wanted it to be about not just comics, but the life of someone who loves comics. And the ups and the downs and the, the weird things that we associate with our fandom and collections and uh, uh, reasons why we could no longer collect or why we started to collect again. You know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of those things that we all share as comic fans. I, I thought it would be neat to actually just explore those things here. So it was a conscious decision that it was going to be a lot more real, a lot more raw. And I believe the first episode that uh, I did in that vein... I talked about um, a, a lot of loss, um, losing a job, losing a house. Uh, just it was a uh, a rainstorm of absolute garbage in my life, and I can't say that it was the most um, the most satisfying listen. If you were listening to it, it might might not have been interesting in the slightest, but uh, I did get some good reception from it. I think um, people appreciated the honesty and the candor and. Uh, to the point where, you know, I kept doing shows like that. There are probably maybe a dozen episodes like that. Very, very deep, very, very personal episodes. And it got to the point where I would, like, meet people uh, who uh, who may have, you know, they, they have their own shows or maybe we were collaborating on something. And uh, they, would mention, they would mention bits and pieces of my life. Like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, this is like when you did this. And I, and I would be, like, taken aback. It's like, how do you know that? You know, it really put me at a disadvantage, but it was it was kind of cool in the same way because uh, I don't know. It's a, it it was a sign that maybe something resonated, and maybe it, what I what I shared mattered, and what I shared um, might have you know stuck with somebody, and it might have helped them. And um, even then, I I did set some uh, some ground rules uh, about what I was going to talk about. I remember after that first episode, I got a call from Reggie, because it was the first episode I'd put out, 
since uh, you know since everything went down, and uh, he he warned me. He's like, hey, you know that's a that's a slippery slope you're getting into there. You're you're telling people a lot about yourself. So uh, he he warned me to to be careful. You know, he warned me not to get too deep into uh, into the weeds. You know, just uh, everything you put on the internet's on the internet. You know, forever. And, uh, you know, I kind of brushed it off, but at the same time I took a note of it. It's like, yeah, you know what, there are probably some things that uh, are better left unsaid. And uh, so I set certain rules about what I was going to talk about. And I was going to draw the line at um, some of the darker uh, bits that we, you know, many of us have inside of us, that many of us have dealt with and many of us have struggled with. I wasn't going to talk about any of that. It was just going to be more, you know, just uh, events, things in, in life that, uh, that, uh, that drive you, that make you do things a certain way. And uh, maybe it's a little bit of humor in there. Maybe there's a little bit of a lesson learned in there. It's, uh, it was meant to be a productive um, excursion or an endeavor. And for the most part, I think it was. But um, like I said, I did draw that line. At talking about certain things, but uh, in talking about um, the dog, my pup, um, it it kind of veers into some darker uh, sort of uh, territory, and uh, you know I I don't know if this is going to even wind up you know published uh, on the uh, on the feed, so. Um, I guess even if this doesn't go up, it's uh, maybe it'll be a cathartic thing just to spit into a microphone. <laughs> but um, I uh, I'm being hit very very hard about um, the dog's illness because um, I can honestly say that uh, I, I believe that he saved my life on more than one occasion. You know so. You know, I talk about guilt a lot when we do these personal bits here because I'm haunted by guilt. So, you know, it's part of part of the struggle, and it's irrational. It is very irrational, but, uh, like, I feel like I'm failing in not saving his. Of course, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not Superman. You know, I don't, I don't, I can't do something that isn't, you know, feasible or, or, or possible. I can't do the impossible, but part of me feels like I owe it to him to to save him. When I, like I said, I truly believed it on several occasions he saved my life because I was at, I was in a very, very dark place um, during, during our time where, uh, you know, we were, <laughs> we were homeless, uh, jobless. Uh, it was not a good time. And we had gotten, um, we got him on, you know, it's funny, I think today, as the show comes out, is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it was 14 Martin Luther King Jr. days ago that we got him. My wife was a school teacher, and she was off on Martin Luther King Day. And uh, we had been talking with a breeder, a breeder of pugs, and she decided that on that day she was going to to get him. And uh, she dropped him off at our house, 
because uh, she had to she had some more things to attend to. So she just handed me this little you know this little black ball of pug, you know, this little baby dog. And she's like, "Here you go." And she left. <laughs> and I'm like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" And I put him down on on the bed. I, I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor at this point because uh, this was <laughs> not a good time in my life. And I put him on the mattress. And the first thing he did was squat and pee. And and I realized, okay, well, that's probably the worst thing he can do. And he did it. So I guess everything else is going to be gravy, right? Every, <laughs> he did the worst thing he could do. So everything else is going to be okay. And I can survive this. So I did. You know, I, you know, I totally embraced the dog owner life. And uh, a month and a half later... Is when um, I had lost my job So this was uh, It was actually Leap Day It was uh, Leap Day 2008 And I've talked about this at great length On certain episodes of Chris's on Infinite Earths If anybody's interested Which you're probably not Because it's (laughs) not terribly interesting But um, I had lost my job Um, our, Our company had sold its contract To... A uh, to a major corporate retailer, and so we were SOL and uh, JWF. We were told with uh, one day left in the month that hey, if you have any doctor's appointments, you better get them in today because uh, your insurance is going away. And at that point, I was on some uh, pretty severe uh, meds for uh, anxiety and depression. That's not something I've really talked about all that much. On the channel here But uh, it is part of my life You know, it's something that I've dealt with For a long time I'm on anxiety medication Even as we speak So it's been a big part of my life And I was going to be entering a new phase of life with Without it, without the ability to afford it uh, Add to that The fact that uh, A couple of months before The job fell apart We spent way too much on a house And way too much on an engagement ring <laughs> I mean, we were uh, not acting, you know, wildly irresponsible. We just never thought that um, we'd become, or I would become, a victim of this economy. We saw people around us losing jobs and, you know, falling behind in their mortgages, and we just thought, like, well, you know, we're we're safe. You know, it could never happen to you. And when it does, you're ill-prepared for it because it was such a... uh, an impossibility, you know. But in fact, it happened. And um, long story, a little less long. Um, I had uh, really hit a dark, very very dark place. Um, I uh, was just the worst person in the world to be around. I was a miserable, miserable piece of shit. I was just uh, blaming everybody for everything. Um, I wanted to find a new job that was equal in pay and stature and everything to what I had before. I had uh, very little character. (laughs) I didn't realize that the world didn't bend to my whims, um, and the world wasn't there to make sure I was comfortable. You know, a lot of... did a lot of growing up that year, but um, I also hit some very, very, very dark... um, Places, um, and I truly feel like without 
without having this pup in my life, uh, there's a good possibility that nobody would be hearing my voice right now. He uh, gave me meaning. He gave my life meaning where there really wasn't any. And, uh, I mean, I could go on, and perhaps I have gone on a little too long. Um, but, you know, suffice it to say, I, I, I'm i also, uh, not only was I miserable, but I'm also a coward. So uh, it's not like I had, and I mean, I'm, I'm mincing words here as to not, you know, actually just come out and say it. I didn't have an exit strategy, but I wanted one, you know, if that makes any sense, that, you know, without saying it. <laughs> um, I didn't have one, but I wanted one. And so... I don't know what the plan was. There wasn't really a plan, but um, there was a desire. Or a lack of desire for the alternative, I suppose. I didn't have meaning. I didn't have anything. You know, the house was falling apart around me, literally. Literally falling apart around me, um, both financially and structurally. And it was just... I was living in garbage. I was... uh, I, I, it's embarrassing. I, the, the way I lived was embarrassing. And I feel like uh, if anybody were to come to my house at that point, they probably would have taken the dog away from me because it was just the way I lived was, it was not, not good. Not a good way to live. Um, you see, I had always been, <laughs> what is it the kids say now? Like a, you're an NPC in your own life, a non-player character. You're just a side character in in life. And I was very much just an NPC in my own life where I only defined myself by my professional accomplishments. That's the only way I saw myself having any value was in putting together deals, bringing home a salary. Um, nothing else mattered. You know, I could be a nice guy, I could be an asshole didn't matter, you know. At the end of the day, the only thing that made me me was this uh, was this job and this company that had given me an identity. And without that, I had nothing, which was something that I definitely struggled with. And you know, it's probably something I struggle with even to this day uh, in various ways. But I was looking for purpose because without a purpose, it was really no reason to be around. So I tried uh, funneling that into the dog, you know, dog ownership, dog parenthood, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so I tried making him my focus while I waited for this, you know, uh, six-figure job to come knocking on my door and say, hey, we need you and only you. And so I was channeling a lot of my energy into, you know, being a, a pet owner. You know, I wanted to define myself by something that was outside of me. That's that's probably what it comes down to most of all, is that I only saw value in the external and not the internal, which, I mean, that's a deep conversation that I could waste your time with another (laughs) another time if you'll indulge me, but uh, for now I'll try to keep it on on point. But um, with all the attempts, it... uh, it felt hollow. It felt like it was forced. It felt like I was trying, because I was trying to give myself meaning and purpose. And it didn't feel genuine. So I was still in this uh, very, very dark place 
in my life emotionally and mental, mentally and you know, psychologically. But then um, I had a moment of profundity. We talk about moments of profundity from time to time, especially when we're doing the Chris's on Infinite Earths program uh, more often. But uh, I had a moment of profundity, and it's a weird one. Um, like I said, I was trying to channel a lot of my attention and maybe just uh, distract myself from real life by focusing on uh, raising the pup. And I was uh, looking online for, like, treats that I could make. You know, what kind of treats could I make a dog? And, and that, I mean, that's basically what my life had become, <laughs> which, looking back on that now and actually just saying it out loud is uh, is wildly embarrassing. But uh, it was what it was. Uh, and I found a recipe for ice cream, dog ice cream. It was like this, like, Greek yogurt and um, peanut butter mix that you put in the uh, that you put into an ice cube uh, tray and it hardens into ice cream. And uh, you know I'd watch videos of the people making this and I'd see the dogs eating them and they'd you know they'd lick it kind of like an ice cream cone you know just a little ball of ice cream that they'd lick it up until it was gone. So I made it and I fed one to the the pup and he uh, he was the runt of his litter. Now, if you've ever had a dog that was a runt, you'll know that they are, uh, well, they're usually the last to eat, or they're usually the ones that have to fight the hardest for their food. So they're a little bit less patient when it comes to treats. You know, they're not going to just, uh, they're not just going to, like, lollygag with it. They're not just going to chew and spit it out and chew and spit it out or lick and whatever. They, they inhale their food because they know that that's their only opportunity to, to get the food. So I give him this little ice cube-sized ball of ice cream, and he inhales it. And his eyes glazed over, and he fell on his side. And uh, I sat there for like a half a second, just like beside myself with what the hell do I do before I... I don't know if it was like a weird version of the Heimlich maneuver, but I like squeezed his guts (laughs) a little bit. And he spit this ice cream cube across the room. And uh, it was with that moment, that was the moment of profundity where I saw myself as having value, which is weird and it's sad and it's embarrassing to say out loud, but uh, it was just weird. That was what kind of changed everything. And uh, everything kind of turned around from there. And it's, it's, like I said, it's very, very strange. But that is what forced me to it was it was being forced to act that kind of uh, primed the pump for uh, escaping that dark spot that dark place and seeing that um you know there there is there is there are things that I could do <laughs> and, and, and I mean of course I was also the cause of this and not thinking through what could have happened but uh yeah I I mean that's that's what kind of turned things around for me. Just that one weird evening where uh, he almost choked on a bowl of ice cream. Strange the things we remember, isn't it? And uh, as I was holding him in the, the vet's office uh, last Tuesday and he- hearing, hearing that word, you know, that uh, the doctor thought was uh, or thinks is, uh, is what the problem is, that was the first thought that came into my mind was uh, was pumping his little belly and uh, having him spit out that ice ice cream cube because I I know that there isn't you know, there isn't really that fix this time around 
you know there I, I no matter what I do I can't I, I can't do what needs done to you know I, I, I just there's nothing I can do right now except be there and that's uh, that's hard and uh, yeah that's I guess that you know coming back to the to the start here that's why I <laughs> I mean it's so stupid but uh, that's why I didn't put out new episodes for the <laughs> For the last half of last week It was just too hard for me to get behind the mic It's hard for me now But it was too hard for me to To perform So I hope everybody understands And I apologize if uh, I mean if you guys were just chomping at the bit for Spider Ben's you know acid trip <laughs> I apologize But uh, I thank you all for indulging me here And um, I guess without any further ado We can, uh, we can get to the uh, To the issue in question here and that is, of course, Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 80, February 2022, cover date, Legacy Number 881. And boy, that's a, that's a jarring segue, isn't it? Uh, Beyond Chapter 6, written by Cody Ziegler, art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Abertov with Eric Arshinaga, letters VCs Joe Caramagna, the BBs are Thompson Ziegler, Ahmed Gleason Wells, the edits Kohik McGahey, Lowe Sobolski, cover price 4 bucks. This one went on sale on December the 1st, 2021. And we open here with a single-page spread of ketchup and cred, and, uh, well, Spidey's tripping. It's about the size of it. And uh, so we pick up right where we left off, where, well, Spidey's tripping. And he's faced with that flaming angel version of Craven here. Of course, that's how he's seeing Craven. And the hunter tells him to embrace this offering that he's given him, and he shoves him off the roof of a building. Ben falls, but manages to stop himself from going splat. Craven remarks that uh, Spider-Man looks far less graceful in doing so this time out. We do get an interesting bit here of Spider-Ben trying to like give himself a pep talk. He's like, come on, you got this, you got this. And during it, he refers to himself as Peter, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's like, yeah, you got this, Peter. You've been in situations like this before, Peter. And he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm Ben. I'm not Peter. He quickly corrects himself. And he even goes as far as to think to himself that he's not Spider-Man. He's just a shell. And from here we see a pretty haunting two-page spread of Spider-Man's greatest hits. Uh, being bit by the spider, catching up with the burglar at the end of Amazing Fantasy 15, uh, the first time Craven hunted him, the death of Gwen Stacy, which, I mean, I guess we can get some retweets for that one, uh, Spider-Man No More, you know, walking away from the mask, and I think... Just a shot of the Green Goblin here, but I'm not sure. The thing of it is, all of the faces in these pages are kind of voided out. Now, if you recall, when we started the Beyond Arc, Peter himself had that nightmare flashback about that time he stole some gum, and how he had to explain himself to Uncle Ben. And so he, you know, totters down into the basement, into Ben's workshop, and when Ben turns around, he was faceless. You know, his face looked like a really disgusting gaping hole mixed with, like, a spider web around the edges, right? And that is how all the faces look on this two-page spread. It's, like I said, it's very, very haunting stuff here. It's a, it's a gorgeous image. It, it's disgusting, but it's very well done. Anyway, Ben tries to shake this off, and he tries to flee so he can rest and maybe collect himself a little bit, but only manages to plummet straight into the ground. All the while, it would appear as though his Beyond buddies are trying to get into communication with him, but... It's pretty garbled, so we're not sure if it's actual, like, electronic interference, or maybe it's just Ben's inability to focus on, you know, what's coming over the, uh, the comms. 
Now, Craven lets Ben put a little bit of space between them and uh, almost seems excited to, to be renewing their hunt. From here, our scene shifts over to beyond, where Janine is calling in trying to get some answers from Marcus. Unfortunately, Marcus doesn't have any answers, and uh, as a matter of fact, probably wants them just as bad as Janine does. Marcus tries to use some generic corporate talk to weasel out of the call, but Janine reminds him that, uh, well, she's a tough bird who's already spent time in the clink, so she'd have very little trouble drop-kicking him in the chest if, she doesn't, if he doesn't tell her what, you know, what's what. She says that there's some beyond goofs at her apartment now muttering about a cold blue and messing with all the wiring. Marcus tries to level with her a bit, basically saying that they have no answers right now. He says that Beyond's best and brightest are working on it, and, well, that doesn't exactly inspire Janine's confidence, and so she hangs up on him. Marcus then asks for some updates, but receives a call from Maxine Danger, who, from the looks of it, is in the midst of having her bowl haircut reaffixed to her head. She looks like a Lego person, almost. Uh, now, she wants answers, too. So, yes, a major theme of this issue is people wanting answers. Anyway, Marcus starts spilling some sort of beans, but we cut away before we can hear anything of substance, so we don't know exactly what he told her just yet. We hop back to Spider-Ben, who's waking up, and he finds himself surrounded by uh, three humanoid weirdos. One with the head of a turtle, another with the head of a bird, and the last with the head of a uh, jackass. Now, it's actually three Beyond employees, including Doug from back in the long ago, last issue. So Ben is still in and out of his trip. He's still kind of tripping. And so they feed him some cure-all pills to soothe his uh, you know, previous drugging. I don't think they're Krakoan. Maybe they should be. Because, you know, it seems like having the best and brightest focusing on creating medicine that already exists is perhaps a waste of their talents. I don't know. Anyway, Ben starts to come around, and he realizes that he's at one of Beyond's algae farms, located, well, somewhere in the water. You see, they collect algae to make processed veggie burgers or something, which is probably about as disgusting as it sounds. Uh, anyway, Craven shows himself, and we start fighting. Over the course of the next four pages, Spider-Ben kind of beats the hell out of the hunter. Craven is tossed into a nasty vat of algae. However, before Ben approaches to continue the fight, Craven triggers an explosion, through which uh, Ben is knocked for a loop, and we could probably assume that our baddie escaped amid the confusion and uh, dust settling. Next thing we know, Ben's returning to his apartment and is reunited with Janine. Just as soon as they embrace, Marcus and some Beyond Docs show up to take a look at our hero. Now, as they head inside, Marcus tells Ben that he covered for him with Maxine. Something about having to spin things once he realized Craven had gotten involved, which... A little confused. I mean, Spider-Man is still a superhero, right? So what would be wrong with Maxine finding out that their resident superhero had to deal with one of his regular spider villains? I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll find out more later. I don't know. Also, uh, Ben spills the beans on the cure-all he was given by Doug from back in the long ago, which was apparently a big no-no. Or maybe just a regular-sized no-no. I don't know. The, the doctor he tells is like, wait a minute, they're doing what now? So maybe that'll come back up again later. Anyway, we head to our wrap-up here, and we got a pair of epilogues. The first is uh, in Maxine Dangerhair's office, where she's meeting with some of Beyond's lawyers about doing the old cease and desist on the Brooklyn Spider-Man. And so, next, well, I'd say next issue, but the next actual issue, uh, we will have uh, Miles Morales going beyond. But then, epilogue the second, where we go across town, where Aunt May is looking for that special somebody to help Peter's plight. 
Turns out that special somebody is, spoiler alert, Dr. Octopus. I mean, we all knew this because Marvel spoiled it months ago. Now, she appeals to his ego. He kisses her cheek. Is this to say that Aunt May is no longer married to Jonah's dad? Did I imagine that? Did that happen? That happened, right? I don't know. Anyway, in the next issue, the next, you know, .bey issue, 80.bay, Doc and May. And that's where we leave it. Another very solid issue here. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying these prime issues of the Beyond storyline here. The not, you know, .bey and the not uh, tie-in issues. I feel like we're getting a whole lot of substance here. And even though... This uh, two-parter here with Craven, it feels like we didn't get a whole lot of information, but we got a lot of uh, a lot of questions posed, and we're seeing we're getting a lot of like nebulous information, right? We're finding out a little bit about Beyond. Uh, we don't know exactly what their plans are, right? But uh, we we are getting a little bit of information there. We're starting to see some of the pieces fall into place here, and uh, you know I think. Before finding out that the this era isn't going to last all that long, I would probably have uh, maybe not so much complained, but observed that we're kind of pushing through this storyline pretty quickly. Yeah, I feel like we're getting when when you're putting out a book four to five times a month, you would think that you'd get a lot of uh, the old classic X lapsed water treading. You know, it's like you have a lot of pages to fill, a lot of books to fill, so. What would be the harm in spending a month or two on some weird side story, you know? And I'm glad that we're not getting that, especially now knowing how long that this era is going to last. It's good that we're actually getting to the point pretty quickly. Uh, We know from the start that, you know, Misty and Colleen are working with Monica Rambeau, uh, sort of subterfuge for, uh, for Beyond. I feel like had this been a longer form story... We probably wouldn't be finding that out for quite a while So it's nice that we're getting that kind of information here uh, We've got Ben We got him in and out of consciousness here He's questioning who he is, what he is We uh, we get to see Because, I mean, what are Spider-Ben's memories compared to Peter's memories? Um, we know that the original Clone Saga was around, what, uh, 150 of Amazing Spider-Man? So up until then you know, there was a lot of shared experiences The death of Gwen Stacy, you know, the first run-in with Craven Being bit A lot of those uh, memories are the same So it was neat to see those And it was also neat to see the imagery Of the void faces again As disgusting and as unpleasant as that is It was nice to see it again because It's making the story feel like It's uh, it's one thing Right? And uh, after this Craven story is wrapped, uh, I think we have a couple of really fun stories we're going to be getting to here in both the .bey and uh, the next actual issue of Amazing. Seeing Aunt May and Doc Ock back together, that's going to be interesting. I feel like that's going to be a a fun story. I don't remember who's writing that issue, but um, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And also having uh, Miles get involved here, the Brooklyn Spider-Man I think that's going to be a lot of fun here We're already going to be uh, including the three or four issues of Miles Morales That are beyond tie-ins into the story I already have the first issue of that I think the next one I actually remembered to put on my DCBS order So we will, uh, will of course, follow that as it continues and see how uh, Miles plays into this uh, we also might 
be taking a look at the Ben Riley series with, uh, I think it's Jam DiMatteis and our friend from X Factor, David Baldion. There is the Ben Riley series. I don't know if it's going to be a tie-in, but there is some beyond imagery on uh, on the uh, in the promotional uh, pieces for Ben Riley. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I think that's about all I have to say about this issue here because, uh, well, my my throat hurts because I've talked so damn much, and my uh, laptop battery is about to die. So I probably should wrap it up here Um, (laughs) I'd like to thank you all so much For indulging me today And allowing me to uh, To drone on about things that have Absolutely nothing to do with comic books And if you listened, I uh, greatly appreciate it I just gotta try to remember To put a timestamp in the uh, In the show notes here In case anybody wants to skip over to just the uh, Spider-Man content But um, I will put a sock in it for now If anybody out there would like to get a hold of me I would love for you to do so uh, You can reach me several different ways On Twitter, I'm at Ace Comics You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com You can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK uh, For blog post show notes You can head to chrisoninfiniteearths.com Facebook, 90s X-Men chrisandreggie.podbean.com or Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill and any search engine should bring you to the archives. And of course there is the Patreon, patreon.com slash xlapsed. But uh, I think that's where I will uh, stop for now and let you get on with the rest of your day. And of course I'd like to thank you very much for letting me be part of your day. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Another day I'm born.